Well, good morning, Southridge. I I was tempted by saying, hey, 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 Southridge, but I wasn't at camp anymore. This this is different. Uh, Can it be the same, maybe? It can be the same? Well, welcome. Uh, My name is Wes. I'm one of the pastors here. If you don't know who I am, there's been a few weeks that I've been away. There's been some uh, things that I've been a part of, uh, including uh, Mexico, and I was away on holidays, and then also... I uh, was at Camp Qantas for a week and spoke there, and I'm just happy to be back. It's happy to see a lot of your faces and to get to know some new people that have been coming here uh, for a while, and so it's really, really cool to be back. Now, I want to start with a question, and uh, this question is this. Have you ever had an illogical fear before? Now, you don't have to raise your hand because obviously you've had something like that before, maybe, unless maybe you have got, you're perfect at it. I don't know. Maybe you are okay at it. But have you ever had that illogical fear? You know, that, that way of, of having a fear and you think, man, like if, if you actually believe that would be a, a true thing to be fearful of, that uh, it would have to be a major catastrophe for it to, to be just side, sideswiped like crazy. Like you, you think, a logical fear? Um, is there anything like that you've done before? So we're, at, we're having issues with the mic. We're okay? It's just, I don't know. It's my, my lack of beard. Oh, bring it away from my face. Awesome. Nice. I get this. And that's awesome. All right, we'll try that. Well, I had an illogical fear this summer, and uh, this was from with my son Benjamin. So Benjamin's eight, and uh, I had this feeling that all of a sudden we were at camp, and he did two th- crazy things at camp. Number one, he went off the skyscraper. The skyscraper is this uh, crazy swing. It's three three swings, and uh, you get uh, buckled into this thing, and you get hoisted up eighty feet. Okay, so yes, I watched my eight-year-old go up 80 feet in the air, and uh, he had the biggest smile he ever had um, out there. He was so excited, and I remember watching this, and as a dad, you just think, oh man, like, it's, I'm a dad, and I'm watching this happen. Uh, we, um, he, they pull us a, a lever on it, and they pull the lever, and he, um, he goes down, and the thing that we hear is, and i got to be careful with Mike here, is like, this is the best hit swing in the history of the world! And you can hear it kind of going all the way past me and all the way up and all the way back. And uh, he had the best time in my, in, of his life. But for me, I'm like, I'm worried that something's going to happen to him. I know, like, it's, it's logical, it's okay. So the next thing he did was the jet stream. Now, the jet stream is something I need to explain to you, too. You may have... Uh, have seen on Qantas things before, but if you haven't, it's a gigantic two-person zip line that goes from the top of the dining hall all the way down to the water and actually goes across the water and onto a big pillar thing. So it is like double the height of the skyscraper, so this jet stream thing. So I watched my son also do that. Now, the thing is, and now as you have these worries about your kids, you, you look at what's about to happen. They, they, they weigh him because if you're not weighed, you got to figure out how fast and, you know, if you're going to make it to the other end without getting stuck in the middle somewhere. So they had to put extra weight on him, like this back pad of, back, back of weight that they put on to this little eight-year-old kid. And he's a feeble little guy. He's just a little guy. And so he, so he puts up this thing. And of course, because of that, he's short. So he's short and they, they, we say, oh, okay, well, to get up to where the zip line thing is, you have to get on a chair. So here he is. He's got this, they pull up this chair. He steps on this chair, but he can't quite get up all the way because he's got all his weight on. I don't know what they're thinking, but he's trying to get this. Finally, uh, he gets up and he gets hooked into this, uh, this jet, this jet stream, this, this zip line. 
And uh, I'm thinking, you know, like, man, I'm letting this my kid do do this. But, you know, it's his choice. Okay, it's his choice. And (laughs) it's all good. Um, I never knew that this little cautious Ben, because that's what we often call him, cautious Ben, that he would be that much of a daredevil. But he was fully in and fully excited to experience life to the full. Now, we trust in ropes for things. We trust if you've ever been on a ropes course before, if you've ever been on one of these rides or at Playland or whatever those things are that you've been a part of before, you know that, uh, that, that you have to trust in ropes. You have to trust in the machinery or else you will die, right? Because you're going at velocities you've never even thought of before. You're doing all these things. When I was on the jet stream, because I got a chance to go on it, when I was on the jet stream, I noticed that there was two ropes. Okay, so there's the one rope that hooks you in and there's one little slack rope that's beside it. And that's just in case the other one breaks. How reassuring, right? <laughs> All right, so, but I did it. You know, I did the jet stream. I was a speaker at camp, so they wanted to, oh yeah, the speaker gets to go. And I'm like, yay. <laughs> I actually, I did want to go, so it's all, it's all good. But I was a little nervous going of that. But it was co- not only completely safe, but they had a backup plan, and that's all good. And the other thing is that thousands of campers, thousands and thousands of campers have been off some of these rides. So since the 90s, at least that I've been there, um, all these rides, all these swings, all these things that they do, that thousands of campers go off, no one dies. No one gets hurt, even. Um, very few have any scratches or anything. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's awesome. I don't think that any, I've never heard of anybody getting hurt on one of these things. So, but it's hard to have faith when it is completely safe, completely logical, and many successfully enjoyed the ride before. But what about those times when it doesn't make sense and you have every reason to worry and fear? And some of you, you know, you're worry warts, <laughs> like me sometimes. And uh, you, you just get worried. You get worked up about these things. How about when you are about to do something that the future is so uncertain that it scares you? You just don't know what's going to happen. It's one thing to choose to risk yourself on a ride. That's one thing. But how do you proceed when you feel God is asking you to do something and it doesn't make sense? What if some of you have had that before where you feel like, I think God is asking me to do things, to change my life, to do something different in my life, to change my career. And now I don't know what's, it doesn't make sense. Why would I take a pay cut? I want to walk through this, this study, uh, this, 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 uh, this story in the Bible in Judges. It's about Gideon, and it's in Judges chapter 6 and 7. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell a lot of the story, and, in about, and verse 36 we'll get to later, but I'm going to tell some of the story so we can kind of keep it going, because chapter 6 and 7 will make us here forever. Um, not that it's a bad thing, but I just think that it would be belaboring a little bit. So I'll tell you, um, recap this a little bit of what's going on. In Judges chapter 6, the Midianites were oppressing God's people. So there's a group of people that are oppressing God's people. They are ruining their crops and leaving them in terror 24-7. We know about terror. We know about that from our world today. And scholars think that actually this was happening with this Midianites and these Eastern peoples in the area. They would come in every year. It was an annual thing. They would come in, they would ruin the crops, they would take and plunder and all this stuff and then leave again. So this was a common thing that was happening over and over and over and over again. And it's interesting because uh, one of the things that you read um, just before that is that uh, and, and in the Bible, it talks about several times where the, the Israelites or the people of God were doing 
evil in the eyes of the Lord. So obviously there's something going on and something they're learning and God is allowing them to experience these things. So Gideon, one of the leaders in those days, got an angelic visitor. I don't know if you've got an angelic visitor before. I have not, but that would be awesome. Verse 12, it says this, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So Gideon responds with, uh, pardon me, like, but if God is really with us, how is this bad stuff happening? I think God has abandoned us. Now you think about today, we've never ever thought of that before, have we? We've never wondered at where God is. No, of course, of course. We've had times where we think, where is God? Like, has he abandoned me? Has he, has he left? Like, what, why is all this bad stuff happening in my life? The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel of the Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Gideon's response is, how can I do that? I'm from the weakest clan and the least in my family. I don't know if he felt that way before. I've felt that way before. So here we pick up the pace a little bit in verse 16. The Lord answers, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Could you imagine getting that message from God? Like, it's, you know, we, our country isn't experiencing war on our lands, but could you imagine? I don't know. It's hard to imagine, but to strike down, to hear those words, strike down and none alive. I mean, those are the things that pop out at me. And I think, man, like, I don't know. I think I'd be frightened if I was told that. Verse 33 says, uh, talks about, meanwhile, the Midianites, Malachites, and other Eastern peoples joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and encamped in the Valley of Jezreel. And the reason why they did this is because they weren't too happy with, uh, with Gideon. Gideon was opposing Baal, their God, and he was uh, cutting down their Asher pole. So he was, he was taking some stands for God. So this is what happens when you take stands for God. All of a sudden, things can happen like this. And uh, the story continues in verse 36 and 40. I'm going to read this a little slower for you. Uh, so 36, this is what's happening. And Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early in the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Let me just make one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. It's interesting to look at, at Gideon's approach to this, uh, approach to faith and showing what is his relationship with God is like. It's pretty revealing, I think. This second test was even a greater test than the first because is a little more impossible, more of a miracle. So let's try to really understand what's happening in this, this, this story by, by changing this into a little bit of a narrative for you. You can imagine uh, that you're just praying this to God and say it's the end of September when the dew is on the ground. You know what it's like in September? We're coming up to it again. Uh, it, the, the dew is so thick that even the spider webs are illuminated between the tufts of grass with little droplets. You know that, that, that you remember what it's like a year ago? Picture that in your head. So then here's your prayer. Okay, God, if this is you, I'm going to put this hard as a rock sponge. Okay, you've seen those sponges. You know how sponges get all dried out and all like hard as a rock and kind of like crazy. 
um, hard as a rock sponge on the ground. And in the morning, if the ground is dry and that hard sponge, you and you know how they get, is so heavy with water that when I pick it up, it gushes water. Then I'll believe you. Okay, so you've made that prayer. You've just done that. Just picture that, that because that's what an ancient fleece would have done. It's absorbent, okay? And then the next night, you say this. Okay, God, don't be mad. Just like Gideon, don't be mad. But I'm just wanting to make sure. I'm going to put this dry, hard as a rock sponge out on the grass. If the ground is wet in the morning, and it usually is this time of year, because your feet get soaked when you walk across the grass, and then the sponge, and then the sponge is still dry and hard as a rock, it'll be your leading, and I will believe in you. Okay, Does that help understand. Like this is this is how crazy of a story this is. Now, I haven't talked about this yet, but our current series is um, by faith in Hebrews chapter eleven, and I just think, have, have you ever wondered why Gideon's on this list? <laughs> Why on earth is Gideon on this list? Like, shouldn't he be off this list and on this uh, lack of faith Hall of Fame list or something? Because like he's he's really doubting God. He's really unsure. He's trying to do lots of tests, trying to figure things out, and he's not exactly showing. Like, yep, God wants me to do it. I'm in. He didn't do that. He waited. He tried to figure things out. But there's still something that I think God, that Gideon. Um, there's a reason why Gideon is on this list. His process of believing in faith is not too unlike how we uh, sometimes come to God and try to figure things out and approach him. A little reluctant, a little cautious, a lot unaware of the future because we don't know what the future holds. But God is more concerned about the outcome of, and Gideon's heart and your heart than he is about how we get to the outcome. Later on in the story, Gideon, uh, God removes thousands of people from his army to be just 300 men. So if you want to read that in chapter six and seven, you can go ahead and read that on your own. But to ensure, this is to ensure that God is the only one to get the credit. So he took a lot, thousands of men down to 300 to take out the Midianites and the Eastern peoples. With all these tests, with relying on God and only seeing illogical things displayed, this is all that Gideon sees. He's, he's seeing these things. It would make sense that God is a little, or that Gideon is a little confused. He's a little confused. Like, is this really what you want to do? This is a big task. Wouldn't you need a large army to rout out a gathering armies of Eastern peoples? You would think, right? But God is like, no, we have to do this with 300, just 300 to make sure that I am the one that wins the battle. If the current climate of Gideon's people is oppression and he receives a message that something is going to change, that the impossible is now going to happen, what is not humanly possible. Let me ask you this. Would you believe it? Would you believe that message? Would you think it's too good to be true? Like, how is that even possible? It would be great, but how is that possible? This year, we, uh, at the beginning of the summer, I went on a Mexico missions trip. I was part of leading our trip from our church to go to Vicente Guerrero. We built a house and we were part of this. And I, I, I need to tell you the backstory of what was going on in my brain as I was deciding on whether or not we should go or not go on this trip. So here are 10 things that I'm going to show. And I think we got, yeah, we got a list of them. Awesome. There's 10 things. So number one. Initially, no one signed up. Okay, that's what I was faced with right away. Initially, no one signed up for this. That's what I got. Number two, I decided that if God wanted it to happen, it would happen. 
And if it was my selfish idea that we should go to Mexico, let it be flat. Let's just let this not happen. I don't, I want it to be God. I don't want this to happen. So this is what I was thinking. Just before canceling it, I had a few people sign up. Okay. Which was confusing. Maybe God wanted it to happen after all. The deadline passed with only a few people who applied. I tried canceling it, thinking it wasn't God's will. Number five, Brent told me to go ahead anyways, which is a few people. The pastor Brent's our lead pastor here. So that's the message. I'm like, okay, with just a few people, I guess I have to do this. Shortly after, at that point, uh, I got contacted by JD at North Star Church in Quinnell and saying he'd join us and bring 10 people along. Okay, 10 people along. So now, number seven, we then had several applications come in at that point. Several started coming in ending up with 13 from Southridge to a total of 23 on our trip. So that's how this is all happening. Now, the week was amazing. We had a great week, and I don't have time to share all the details with you. I know that Ben shared a little bit with you before, um, a few weeks ago. But um, I'm gonna, I've made a video, and we're going to make this available on our website, uh, on our blog, as well as Facebook. So if you're watching this week, I'm going to post that. Um, just a slideshow and a little bit of video of what happened in our week. Um, for those of you who support us, we just want to thank you for that. So the weekend, the week was amazing. And then it comes down to this very crucial time at the very end. It was, it was smooth sailing. It was smooth sailing the whole way through until the very end. I, we get up, we go to the airport, and what did I have? Some of you already know the story. We get to the airport, we start checking through the passports to see what happens. Uh, who, you know, hey, we're getting our passports through, making sure we, we check into our flight and nothing. There's nothing on, there's no flight attached to that passport. So we tried a few more and all of them had no flight attached to it. So after talking with them and then radi- uh, phoning the people and figuring things out, they figure through their system that our plane had already left. And I'm thinking, wait a second. Three months ago, I had this. I went over with other people to make sure we are very organized. I like being organized. I like having things done early. So we, cha- we made sure that this is happening and that we had everything together. And now we're sitting in San Diego and we don't have a flight. <laughs> we're just stuck. So being a, a long time on the phone with the airline, trying to figure it out, we, we actually did get another flight. We found out that um, the flight that we were supposed to actually not be at the, the airport at six, we were supposed to leave just after six. So somehow in that communication, it was, so I own that. That's fine. It's my mistake. Um, you know, that's, I'm not perfect. I wish I was, but I'm not. Um, and, and that's where I was at. But at the same time, then they said something very peculiar. They said, but hey, good news is, I'm like, good news, like good news for 23 people missing flights. I said, you're still going to connect your, you're catching, you're, you're connecting flight out of Seattle. I'm like, how is that possible? Like we were supposed to be back into Vancouver around 1 p.m., like one in the afternoon. I have the itinerary. It says so. And they said, no, you actually, we changed your flight. I guess, I guess they changed their flight. They said, no, you're going to hit that 1130 p.m. So somehow we were supposed to be in Seattle for like 14 hours. I don't, that was never part of the plan. It was never. So somehow the airline messed up. Story goes, this is, I'm sticking to it. And I also messed up. So there's two mess ups here. But then I started thinking, then I started thinking, what is it about this day 
that's that's happening and i started getting really inwardly struggling because i was feeling a little frustrated i was feeling mad i was thinking god you wanted us on this trip and it was a really good good week and how come this is happening how come we missed this flight and how come the airline messed up and i messed up and i feel so horrible and now all these people are looking at me and i feel so dumb and then i phoned my wife and i was talking through things and of course wives were always very logical and very you know good at stating the obvious they're like you know it's church today, it's Sunday. Why don't you just go to church? I'm like, duh, yeah, of course. It's a travel day. I never even thought about church. We should just go to church. So we looked up online, trying to figure out uh, where to go. And we trying to figure out, we, we know Erwin McManus in Southern California. Maybe his church is in, in San Diego. It wasn't. It was in LA, but they had a church plant. Like, okay, let's go to that church plant. So we go to this church plant. It's called Maker's Church. And we went in there. And from the very beginning, of there was something different about this church. There's something different. And we, I felt beat up. I felt like I'm beating myself up. I'm sure if I allowed them to respond to and talked it through, they, the team would be <laughs> kind of beating me up and saying, like, what did you do? You're just like, my schedule's all messed. When we get home, I got to go to work tomorrow. Um, the Quinnell people had to drive then up to Quinnell afterwards. This is like, this is a big issue. And I remember walking into this church and the team just was easily welcomed. Almost like we were meant to be there. And we came in, the, 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 the welcoming team was awesome. They just helped us feel good. Later on, actually, the pastor gave us a little shout out to the Canadians. The Canadians are here with us today. It was really cool. And uh, we were like, well, this is great. But in, this, in these moments, while we're in this church, they started singing some songs. And, I'm, I, I, and I know that one of the songs we're going to sing after the message is actually one of them. And that wasn't planned, which is crazy. But the song, the song started speaking to me and I just started weeping and weeping and weeping. I just knew that every single lyric, every single thing that was coming up, I knew that God wanted me there. I don't know how, I don't know why. I know he takes mistakes and makes them for good. But for me, everything, so everything about shame, everything about guilt, everything about, um, about grace, everything about making mistakes, all of those things that all those feelings that I felt and I started beating, beating myself up about the things that the, the, the lyrics that were in those songs that said, said, don't worry about your mistakes. Just come to God. God is faithful. God is with you. It's okay. And these are the messages I kept it. So I just kept crying and crying and crying. And then the, the speaker comes up and what does he talk about? He talks about grace and he talks about the same things. Of course they would do that because they, we often do that. We theme the music in with the sermon and, and it all flows together. And so this is, so I'm just like welling up with tears again and listening and his, God is speaking to his heart. So I talk to some of the people afterwards in our team and several of the people also had the same experience. Several of them were brought to tears or felt like God was speaking to them directly now, how on earth do you plan that? How on earth do you plan that? How do you figure that to be true? I didn't plan to go to make a church in San Diego on July 9th. That was not my plan. But it, it, it was what God wanted, and he wanted our team there. I know what it's like to have to, have, to use faith in something big. And it's hard to trust sometimes when it doesn't make sense because that didn't make sense, even with an all-powerful God. Even when you cannot deny that you have a clear sense in God's leading, even when you know 
There's something about this Mexico area I don't understand, but I keep on feeling like God wants us to invest in this area, and I'm just trying to be obedient to it. I'm just feeling like, God, if you don't want us to be there, just don't send us. Just make it not happen. But for some reason, there's something going on in this area. God is doing something really big and using the government and helping people to know him and to be connected to church there, and God is doing something there that is beyond me, is totally beyond me. Even when you cannot deny that you have a clear sense of in God's leading, I wonder if God allows us to respond to him. I wonder, I mean, I wonder, it's a redundant question, isn't it? But giving us the opportunity to respond in faith. I think God does that. Wondering how faithful we'll be to his leading. Like, how far will you go for God? If you get a sense that this is where God is leading you, you feel like, I have this thought in my head. I have this feeling in my heart. I feel like I have to do this. How sure are you of that? And are you going to go all the way? We all have situations and circumstances that need to use faith. And sometimes we might not recognize it as faith because it's so little or so logical that you think, yeah, you know what? In the end, it's going to just work out. And if I have a little bit of faith with it, if I believe it, yeah, you know, I think it'll, it'll, it's logical enough. It seems to work out in the end. But then there are these harder situations that are unclear um, and, and we don't see what's on the other side. Your situation could be around money. It could be around your job, your relationships, your grown-up kids, your health, or it could be just any uncertainty in the future. That could be your situation right now. I don't know. What is required is a reliance upon God and faith, a complete trust in, in your relationship with him. We need to be more sure of our inheritance as believers in the kingdom of God because there is an inheritance when we decide to follow Jesus. We need to be more confident in our relationship with Jesus because, you know what? We have a relationship. It's a two-way relationship, and it's there. We can't deny it. If we've chosen to follow Jesus, we have a relationship with God, and that is huge. And there's much more that is offered to us than we realize. Sure, we can doubt but we need to be confident in the result of trusting God. So let me ask you this. How often do you find yourself trusting more in your own wisdom and less in God's? Me? It's all the time. I don't know if you know this about pastors, but we struggle with saying, we've done this before. Yeah, it'll, it'll work. It should be good. We can make this work. We can put this, these people together and it should work. We could create this community, community group and it, it should work because I've seen it. I, I've tested it already. I know I struggle with asking for wisdom from God and taking things on myself, but is that what God wants? Is that what God, what God, what, what God wants of me? Is that what God wants of you? Because we read this verse in James chapter 1, verse 5 that says, that talks about how we can ask God for wisdom and he'll freely give it. That we just ask for wisdom and he, we, we receive it. That's the promise we have when we have a relationship with Jesus, that we can have that wisdom. And you think about what that wisdom is, the wisdom of someone who created the entire universe, the person that has created the entire universe and all of his wisdom and all of his direction that he's given to people through centuries upon centuries and everyone here in this room all at the same time, he is allowing us to have access to this wisdom. And you wonder why we just try to do things on our own. We just try to do things on our own. 
We have access to this wisdom if we have a relationship with Jesus. At camp, there's this girl this past week that I was talking to. And on the Wednesday night of camp, we, we often do, and speakers will do this, we do this often, this altar call, this, this time of, okay, if, if anybody here has never committed their life to Christ before, we encourage you uh, to li- really listen and consider um, praying and asking Jesus to lead your life. So on that Wednesday night, we did that. I, I did that. I asked people, I say, if you acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you believe in him, I believe that he died and rose again and told the story and confess your sin, he will forgive you. And that is it is a done deal. The seal of the Holy Spirit is upon you and it's done. You now are fully God's. And this girl came up to me the next day and she said, I, 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 I want to tell you that you, you gave us a way out because I did. I said, and if this is not you, I'm actually asking you not to, because I'm not, I'm not going to pressure you to do this. I'm not going to say, um, everybody raise their hand and commit to Jesus. Now that's not what it's about. If you are here and you do not want to live for Jesus, that's fine. We still love you. We still love you anyways. Just don't, I'm asking you not to, if you're not ready. So this girl said, I thank you for that. I thank you that you gave, allowed me to just listen and just watch because I've never seen this before. And I need to figure this out. And then she started telling me about her home life. Her home life is that her, she lives with her mom. Her mom's had several boyfriends. They've moved in and moved out several times in her life. She's only 11. Several, not just one, not just two, but several. And she's been really mixed up about, it's just me and my mom. My mom asked me for advice all the time. Uh, I don't know what to tell her. I'm only 11. Um, I, I'm, I'm struggling at home. And I, I said, so why didn't you believe in Jesus? And uh, that night, and she said, well, it's because I need to figure th- life out at home first. I need to do this. I need to figure this out. I need to come home and I need to, I gotta, I need to tell my mom something. I got to figure this out. I got I to gotta figure out what I'm supposed to do. And it was that moment I really felt the sense that God was telling me, okay, probe a little further with this. So what I said to her, I said, hey, you know, uh, we talked a lot about um, choosing God and all that stuff this week. And she's like, yeah. And I said, have you ever thought that maybe the wisdom, because the wisdom that I've seen in Jesus is that if you allow him to lead your life, he actually will give you wisdom to, to be able to know what to do in that situation. And, you know, I don't want to give you pressure <laughs> to this girl. I don't want to give you pressure. I'm not pressuring you. But maybe you should consider uh, talking to your counselor and asking Jesus to lead you um, before the end of this week because you got me. You've got your count, two counselors. You've got your friends around you. They can support you. They can help you. They can pray for you. They can know your story and they can go, they can be in other cities from their cabin because that's where they come from other cities into this cabin. They can be praying for you as you're talking to them. She's like, okay, well, I'll think about it. So as she goes away and thinks about it, she comes back to me the next day. This is the last day of camp. And uh, she says, Wes, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay, what's that? And she said, I believe in Jesus now. Um, and I'm like, wow, like that's crazy. So what did it, what did it for you? She's like, well, I want to thank you that, that, that you, that you, you didn't push me, but you pushed me just enough just to think that through. And I, I thank you. Cause now I know like, I'm not going to be alone. It's funny that, uh, that Mark prayed this earlier, but they, I'm not going to be alone and I'm going to be going with Jesus into the situation and I'm going to, it's going to be different now. It may not be the best, but at least it's different. I'm not alone in this. See, that girl was thankful for my encouragement. And now she's committed her life to Christ and she started a new life. She's a new creation. The old life that she once lived is gone. The new life has started. 
a better life, a life that is more full, is more complete, a life that is never alone now. Jesus will never leave her. It is a done deal. This girl needed something. She didn't know what she needed, but she needed something. She couldn't see the other side. It was impossible. She couldn't understand what it might be like to be a Christian because she has never seen that before. How do I follow Jesus when I've never seen that? She didn't understand. She couldn't see it. She thought, so get this. This is how it fits with the message today. She thought she was fine on her own wisdom. She thought she was fine. She thought, I, can do, I, can, I just got to figure it out. I got to figure out life by myself. But she knew deep down that she couldn't. She's tried before. In fact, she's tried with several of these boyfriends and several times, several conversations with her mom, and it's not getting better. It's not getting any better. She's having more fights with her. At the same time, her mom blows up, and she still feels like she needs more. Uh, her mom comes for advice, even in all these situations. And she's like, how do I have that load on my life? But now she is fully equipped with the wisdom of the God who created the whole universe. There's something different now. She has a Bible. She went and grabbed a Bible. It was free. We just gave her one. And now she has, in this situation, a newfound faith. Gideon's story. Here's the follow-through of Gideon's story. Because I think it's important to see the whole thing, the ending as well. He surrounded the enemies with his meager 300 men. So you can imagine, they're in this valley of Jezreel, all the eastern peoples that are around this, on the hilltops, all the way around. And meanwhile, these enemies were actually having dreams of bread tumbling down the hills and knocking down their tents. And their interpretation was, oh no, Gideon's here and he's going to take us out. This is what their interpretation is. We, they were in panic. They didn't know what to do. God is, God's people are going to overrun us and we don't know what to do. We are, and, and the fu- funny thing is they were in fear of the unknown. They were not sure what was really going to happen, but they were sure that this must be something and they weren't trusting in the Lord. When it was time, Gideon's army of 300 broke jars, lit torches, and yelled loudly, which in the dark would look like battalions of soldiers, groups of soldiers all the way around them. They thought they were surrounded. The enemy scrambled in the dark. They were killing each other. And those who fled were routed out by Gideon's army. Look what fear could do. Fear was total panic and total chaos. God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And God's message came true. God's people at that point were delivered from oppression from the Midianites. Gideon in seven verse, chapter 7 verse 15 realized that it was far more than a coincidence. In fact, that what I like to call coincidences that aren't just coincidences, that, that they're God instances. These are not just coincidences that, oh, it just happened. But this is God made this happen. And he fell down in worship when he heard about this dream and interpretation. He fell down in worship. He knew it was God. He gave that final, uh, final allegiance to God and just said, oh God, this, is, this was you. This must have been you in the end because we're about to go and do this. So Gideon got a sign and gave him the final confidence. Now what he saw in the end, he knew for sure that it must have been God. So what is your response to answer to faith? What is your response to an answer to faith? Is it just a coincidence? Or is there something more to it? Is it a God instance? Is it something that you actually need to attribute to God? Because what Gideon experienced was 3,000 men down to 300. Why? Because God wanted to be sure 
that it was his glory and his way of doing things and only through him that he could achieve that. So what is it in your life that God has put in your life that you need to say, hey, it's just 300 men. I need to trust in you. That which is not humanly possible requires faith. I think God allows this for a reason. He wants us to rely on him. He wants us to be God dependent. He knows what is best. So why don't we trust in him more often? Why don't we do it? I think we get comfortable in our day to day uh, and, and feel we can do life on our own, but to develop a deeper sense of God's God in our lives to deeper develop a deeper relationship with him to see him more active in our lives. We need to be completely reliant on him completely. We were created to need God's provision. That's what I believe. I watch the story and see that God has made it so that we need his provision. There are things that we're just going to have. If it's not now, it's going to happen that we are going to need him. What we learn from Gideon is not the process, but it's the outcome. He had lots of doubts. He doubted. He tried different fleeces. He flipped things around. He tried like, I don't know, God, I'm, I'm questioning whether or not we should be taking 3000 and not 300 men into the battle here. This is not right. It's okay to doubt, but it's in the end, the outcome that matters. That's why Gideon is on that faith hall of fame. That's why he's in that list in Hebrews chapter 11 of all the people by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, because in the end he said, but I give this all to God. Not because he doubted, because he followed through and trusted God in everything in the end. So where are you at today? Have you allowed yourself to be God-reliant? I can't answer that for you. Have you allowed yourself to be God-reliant? Have you allowed yourself the grace to doubt? Because maybe that's you today. Maybe you felt like you've doubted a lot and now you're starting to doubt whether or not this should be God's will. Maybe you're not sure this is God's leading, but you but you need to give yourself some grace because it's the process. Have you ever thought about how your doubts can be a good thing to push into a greater pursuit of Jesus as your savior? Maybe that's why it's there. Maybe God put that there because he's asking you to come closer to him right now. Will you today commit more deeply to a relationship with Jesus? For me, I want to. When I watched that girl commit to Jesus, she wanted to. Maybe you're in the same boat. And I hope you are. And if you're not, I hope you're curious enough. If you're not a believer here today, I, I encourage you to really look into this. Maybe some of these stories really impacted you. And you feel a little different hearing those stories because you know deep in your heart that there's something different about what, what, what I'm talking about that what you've, from what you've experienced, the disappointment you've seen. I'm going to stay up at the front after the this, this service. I want to offer prayer to you. Uh, if we do this every once in a while, but I, for some reason, I really feel like I needed to offer this today. Maybe someone in this room really needs it this time. I get, I get a little, a little frustrated. I think like, well, does anybody need this? Does anybody desire this? But I want to offer this to you. I am going to stay up the front after this song. And I want to pray with, with people that are here that need to pray. Maybe you've got something in your, in, in, with faith that you're trying to do, work through and you just need some boldness. You just need some courage. I want to pray cur- courage over you. But the other part of this is that there are lots of people here that have been Christians or Jesus followers for a very long time. And if you see someone coming forward, not just in this service, but any service that we do, I'm actually asking you to be watching. Because when you watch and you come to the front and pray with somebody, it helps your relationship with God. And it also helps the person that needs some prayer. 
So if you are a, a longtime Jesus follower today and you know who you are, I don't know where you're at with God, but you do. Uh, watch people when they come to the front or watch people when they ask for prayer and be first to jump in there and to pray. Be first to say, I want my relationship with God to grow. So I'm going to go to this person. I'm going to bless them by praying over them. I'm not sure what I'm going to say, but I'm just going to listen to them for a sec. I'm just going to pray courage or whatever it is, or God go with them. God be with them. God reveal yourself to them. Even if it's just that. So there's two things. If you want prayer, if you want to pray with somebody, I encourage you to do that. Um, living the life as a Jesus follower solo is not going to work. We need to do this together. Everybody struggles with faith. Everybody, doesn't matter if you're a pastor or if you're a believer for a long time or a non-believer, we have, we have to step out in faith. We have to believe in something. We have to figure out life. So let's do life together. Let's decide to do this together and to really pray for each other and be different. Be a church that really wants to do that. And I want to be a church, church that wants to do that. So if you want to just please me, that would be awesome. <laughs> All right, let's just pray and close the service together. Uh, God, I just pray for today. I pray um, that as you uh, prompt people's hearts today, there's a lot of stories that I share today, and I know that you are working in people's lives. I trust that. I hand that over to you. I surrender that to you. So, God, I pray for the people here that they may be awakened to your spirit's move. They may be awakened to what you're doing in their lives. That even in these times right now, as, you, as they are experiencing faith issues, May they come to you and even test and doubt and figure things out just like Gideon. And maybe have to pray a little longer. Maybe have to be a patient a little longer. Maybe have to, we have to wait weeks, months, years before we actually see the answer, but that we would be faithful enough that we would stay on course. God, I pray that the people here that are in that situation would stay on course and just wait for you to act and wait for you and go about their lives just being a patient and waiting for you. And those of, of, of us that are here that have just experienced this, that have experienced this faith action and, and have just done a great thing, may they be rewarded not with things, but may they be rewarded with something spectacular that is from you. Maybe it's something, God, that you're going to bless them with a, a, a knowledge of you, a knowledge of your, your, your presence around them, a knowledge of understanding what it means to follow you in a greater way. Maybe their Bible readings are going to go through the roof, roof and all of a sudden they're going to understand way more than they thought they could. Maybe there's going to be things that start happening, a uh, favor that starts give, being given to us by, by just stepping out in faith and watching other lives transformed. Not favor in things, God, although that can happen, but I pray that, God, you would help us to bring people around us that we need to know more about you, that our neighbors would be affected because our lives are being affected by you. That when we step out in faith, as people watch, people around us, our neighbors, our peop the people here, that they would be drawn closer to you and that may you get the glory, that our light would shine before all men, that they would see our works, they would see us working, and that the glory is that you get the glory. So God, as we sing this song that we sang at Makers Church in San Diego, that I sang, God, may, may you um, be honored and glorified. It's not about me. It's not about what I just shared. It's not about, um, it's all about you and the faith that you, we can have in you. So God, guide our hearts and help us to, to freely worship with our whole heart today because you are worth it in Jesus' name. Amen.